magic to it. When I'm at Ramah, I am home. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Colder Ramah podcast. My name is Joe Lustig. I guess I am your guest host for today. I am a longtime Ramah Darom Chanich. Madrich and Rocheda. And uh, today we have an awesome guest for you guys, uh, United States Congressman Ted Deutsch. Congressman Deutsch, thanks so much for, for coming to do this with us. It's my pleasure, Joe. Thanks. Good to be with you. Awesome. So, uh, you know, the purpose of this podcast, I think in part is this is a very different summer, obviously, with um, folks not being able to attend camp in person. Um, and I think that um, we really wanted to give um, people a chance to hear from leaders who are Ramah alumni and, um, you know, have them share their Ramah journeys. And hopefully that'll serve as a way to, to keep people connected to the Ramah community during this, this kind of difficult summer. So to, just to start off, I'd love to hear from your perspective, you know, what is your Ramah journey? How did it, you know, make you who you are today? How did it impact your Jewish identity and, and things like that? Uh, sure. Well, thanks for doing this. It's, um, it's, this has been a really challenging time, obviously, for everyone, but as someone who, um, who grew up in a, a city in Northeast Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, uh, where there wasn't a large Jewish community, uh, I lived for my summers at Ramah, and so I, I know um, how hard this is for, for so many people who, uh, who count on the experience at camp uh, to, to get through the rest of the year, and so I think it's it's hard, but I, I think it's terrific that you're doing programming, and I, I participated in some, uh, both for Jerome, where my kids went, and Poconos, where I went. Um, and so I, I, as I said, I grew up in a, a city with not a big Jewish community, and I started going to Ramah because we had a new rabbi who came to town and thought that um, it would be important for our community to, to send kids to Camp Ramah on the Poconos. And and I went and, and was there for, for every Ada. I even got a bonus Ada because we were, I, was, I, was in the, I was too young to go on seminar with, with all of my camp friends. So there were, about, uh, there were about a dozen or two dozen of us that had our own bonus Ada that one last year. And, um, and I loved camp. I loved everything about it. I went on seminar, which was amazing. I spent... Uh, I came back and spent time on staff. I was seventh sport and um, uh, and also a counselor. And um, and I mean, my story at Ramon informs everything that I do now. It's um, it was at camp. It's all the things that we learned at camp and and the way we lived at camp that um, that helped inform who I am now and the things I focus on as a member of the United States House of Representatives and the way that I try to approach issues and, and work with my, my colleagues as a member of the House. Um, I chair the Middle East subcommittee. Uh, I mean, it's crazy to me, having grown up to where I grew up, that I'm now both a member of Congress and having spent all these years at Ramah, a member of Congress who, who chairs the committee that, that is the most important one for strengthening the U.S.-Israel relationship. Um, it's an unbelievable opportunity. It's, it's why, just to wrap this up, it's why I, I was one of the founding co-chairs of the, the Bipartisan Task Force to Combat Anti-Semitism. Um, it's, and it's why, I'll finish with this, and I'm always happy to talk more about this, but it's why every trip that I take 
uh, as a member of Congress, whether they're um, wherever they are in the world, actually, uh, if there's a Jewish community there, I find time to go spend with that Jewish community. It was whether it was Moscow or Uzbekistan or the United Arab Emirates, for that matter. Um, I, it's a it's a treat for me as a Jewish member of Congress and a Ramanic to be able to to share those experiences too. So it, it's Ramah is it, it really why I, I do what I do today and the way that I do it. So that's that's great and that's that's fascinating. Is this was not on my list of questions, but what you know you you talked about just uh, how how you you know you've had a chance to meet with Jewish communities in, in places that we don't normally think about. You, you know, tell me about one of those. What's one really interesting place for you? So um, I, I took a trip to um, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, um, and we um, and we went to when we were in Kyrgyzstan, Kyrgyz Republic, a place that I, I I'm not embarrassed to say I didn't really know existed. I suspect most people who are listening don't spend a lot of time thinking about Kyrgyzstan. And my family comes from Eastern Europe, and I, I, so I have ties to Lithuania and, and Belarus and Russia, but this one was, it was part of a, a trip. I'm on the Europe subcommittee also. It was an important trip that we did a number of years ago. And we went to visit the Chesed Center in, uh, in uh, Kyrgyzstan. And um, and it was this, they know that these trips, these official trips are planned by people in the, the uh, military. So they'll coordinate with, whether if it's an Air Force trip, they'll coordinate with our embassy. Um, they'll, they'll put together, they'll help, help work with the embassy and put together an agenda for us to meet with the uh, leaders of the country and, um, and business, American business leaders, if, if they happen to be there, and um, if we have troops in the area, we'll go meet with our troops. So they put together the whole trip. And since they knew I was on the trip, um, they, and they know that this is something I like to do, um, they've learned that there is this, this place in, um, in Kyrgyzstan that, um, that does, it's, it's like a, um, it's a Hesed Center, but it's like a JCC, and they have they have programs for seniors. They provide there's a really meager pension for um, people in the former Soviet Union for seniors. So th this center helps provide uh, meal cards for them, so they can get food and, and get their prescriptions filled. It um, they have classrooms. They took us through this building and showed us this classroom where these young kids were. Uh, these young kids were learning about Israel, and some older kids were uh, were learning Hebrew. It was it was amazing, and it was run by a woman who um, who grew up in Bishkek in the capital. Uh, and when the when the Iron Curtain fell, when the the Jews had a chance, people had a chance to move. She had opportunities to go other places, but she was Jewish, and this was her community, and she wanted to stay in help. So she runs this center. She gave us this incredible tour. It's people just like the people that we help in our own communities. Um, so many Romanics listening to this, well, they volunteer for the kosher food pantry or they, or they help Holocaust survivors or they teach Sunday school. It, it felt just like that. But here's the last part of this. It was so incredible. As we were leaving, the, 
the guard from the embassy who came with us, who escorted us on this trip, uh, we walked out and the guard turned to me and Jill, my wife, who, who uh, came with on the trip and, and said, you know, I just want to thank you. And we, we said, well, what do you mean? Thank you. Thanks for getting us here. Thanks for, you know, the security. He said, no, no, no. He said, I've never experienced anything like that before. He said, there's this, this whole group of people in, in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan, right? Literally far away from anything and any, any, anyone. He said, and the woman who gave us a tour made sure to point this out. And this is what stuck with the guy. And everything they do there is being provided to them by people from the other side of the, the earth, people that they'll never know. And, and it was this really cool realization that that's what we do. Like that, you, what do you learn at Ramah? Um, like call our Azim right? We're like, we're, we're one people, um, and, and here is this, um, this non-Jewish security guard from the U.S. Embassy who put that better than, than anyone else, that, that we, all of us in America who contribute to causes, Jewish federations and the like, those dollars are helping to, to teach Hebrew to young Jewish kids in Kyrgyzstan and to make sure that the seniors there who look just like the seniors that I represent in, in South Florida um, have an easier time and can live out their lives in dignity. It was kind of an amazing experience. That, that's incredible. That's, that's really awesome. That must have been a, an awesome experience. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, you talked about how Ramah got you to where you are and, you know, in some ways inspired you to, to, to get into politics. How do, how do your, you know, your Jewish values, your Jewish identity, do they inform the, the decisions that you make as a member of Congress? You obviously have to take tough votes. You have to make difficult decisions. How do you, does your, does your Jewish identity inform the way you think about, think about that? Um, yeah, absolutely. And it does in, I mean, it does in different ways. Um, we, um, I went to, so I went to Vermont Poconos and we had this, um, we did this game there and I, I've talked about this with other people who went to Vermont and apparently we may not have been the only Vermont who had this game called Escape from the Soviet Union wow. where literally, so this is, this is while the Soviet Union still existed before the wall came down. I mean, this is um, a day that started where Everybody was given um, it was given the, the name of a, a Soviet refusenik. And at the beginning of the day, you had to go ask for a visa to leave the Soviet Union, which, which meant that over the course of the day, you lost your job, they kicked you out of your apartment, um, and ultimately the KGB agents, uh, who were the counselors, literally chased you. And if they found you, they sent you to Siberia right? This is a game. This is what we played at Ramah. Well, um, I didn't think about, think about it at the time, but you know, all these years later, <clears throat> I'm, I'm making decisions, um, both, both decisions about Jewish community where I had a chance to, to, to go to Russia and, and talk to the chief rabbi of Moscow and talk to others in, in Russia about, uh, about the Jewish community. I got to speak at the Coral Synagogue in, in Moscow. Um, but also, um, it, I, think about, I think about that, and I think about what we learn as Jews um, 
and the need to always speak out um, when we're threatened or when when others are threatened. And so I, on foreign affairs, I spend a lot of time focused on on human rights issues and making sure that people have the right to express themselves and the right to practice their religion and um, and and to make sure that governments aren't cracking down on their ability to to speak out. Um, that that comes from I mean that comes from a Jewish place. It's the same thing um, as as we look at what's gone on over the past few months. This sort of reawakening in our country about the the challenges of of racial disparities and racism. Um, I think it's it's really important as a Jew that that we be involved in 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 this effort to to make our country uh, a a better place and to lift everyone up and. Uh, given our experiences and given what 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 we learn about certainly in the summer at camp, but you know those of us who have the benefit of Jewish education um, understand that you know we um, having been throughout our history, having been the other in so many places, uh, I think we have a, a responsibility to speak out when we can when we have the power to be able to do it. Absolutely, absolutely, and and so you, you touched upon this a little bit, but um, we've had you know, over the past few months, certainly, and over the past few years, uh, more, I think, awareness of racial disparities in this country, of systemic racism, and and not only that, but um, over the past few years, a rise, certainly, in um, anti-Semitism. So, as a, you know, prominent Jewish leader in Congress, what, how do you think about those issues? Uh, about anti-Semitism? Yeah, and anti-Semitic no. Yeah. Um, well, I, I spend actually I spend a fair amount of time thinking about and worrying about these issues. Uh, look, Joe, there there are there are people right now who think that anti-Semitism is somehow a good political issue, which is a really really concerning way to think. And it's true um, when you when you start to suggest that um, that Jews uh, who are involved in politics have to um, have to be only one party or have to be the other party, and that if they if they uh, if they're not, then they're they're advancing anti-Semitism. They're less Jewish. They're less committed. Um, that's a that's a huge concern because uh, for the 15 million Jews in the world, right? We can't really afford to, to let people pit us against one another. So I, I worry a lot about that and spend a lot of time reminding people that it's not in their best interest. And, and, but at the, at the same time, we have this rising anti-Semitism um, on, on the far right and on the far left. And I think um, not allowing it to become partisan and, and always pushing back wherever it comes from is really important. And, you know, we, I, I I started this task force to combat anti-Semitism with some of my colleagues after the violent attacks against Jews in Europe a few years ago. And none of us, none of us expected that, that within a few years, we would have to reconvene after the deadliest attack on Jews in America in history and at Tree of Life in Pittsburgh and then in Poway. And then we saw what happened in New York and in New Jersey. And so we've got a, We've got to battle anti-Semitism on the far right um, and on the far left. If people 
use anti-Semitic language, we have got to call them out for it. And, and I thought after, um, uh, I, I thought that we missed an opportunity as the House of Representatives to fully condemn anti-Semitism singularly when, uh, when my colleague invoked some anti-Semitic tropes and lies. And so I had to go down to the House floor and deliver a speech to explain to my colleagues why anti-Semitism is so dangerous, which is also not something I thought I'd ever have to do when I ran for office. I, I remember as a, as a staffer over that period of time, I remember that those, those couple of days really well. That was a really contentious, <laughs> contentious debate. Um, so here's a, here's a kind of two-parted question. Um, what, uh, I think for a lot of young people, um, politics is something that is at, at best boring and at worst, you know. Thanks, thanks kinda, Joe. Hey, I, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I'm, I'm a political junkie, former real sapper. But for, for a lot of people, it's at best boring and it's at worst negative. It's something that is, it's not, you know, people might think it's not for me. It's not about me. It's all, it's all just bickering. Nothing gets done. What, what is your message to people, you know, you know, millennials and even younger um, on that front? And then conversely, you know, if there are young Ramah alumni or, or even current who are interested in running for office, what would be your advice and your message to them? Um, well, it's the, it's the, first of all, the, the part of the message that's the same for both is the people who want to run for office or for people who could never imagine doing something like that um, is the, is the realization that you have, there are lots of ways to be involved in in our communities to make a difference and um and politics isn't for everyone and i acknowledge that um but and and i i didn't i didn't graduate i went to college at the university of michigan and, and then i stayed for law school and i didn't go from that into into a staff position and with a long plan to ultimately run for office. I was a lawyer for a long time and got involved in my community and <clears throat> volunteered in the Jewish community a lot and some national organizations. Um, and so there are lots of ways you can make a difference. There are, though, some unique ways that you can do it when you're, uh, when you're an elected official and, uh, and when you have the ability to, to speak out on the things that really, really matter to you and know that, that there's at least a chance that some people are going to pay attention and that maybe you can change some people's minds and maybe you can, you can affect some meaningful change. And, um, and so that's that for the people who are, who are thinking about it again, for the people who are thinking about politics, um, it's, it's always best to, to make it about, about what you can do with this. I'll give you a, I'll tell you a quick story. I was elected in 2010, and John Conyers um, was the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, and he had some advice for me. And John Dingle um, was at that point the longest-serving House member. He's from Michigan. They're both from Michigan. Um, and I, I saw John Dingle on the floor one day, and I uh, sorry for this long answer, but I'm getting there. Um, I saw Dingle on the floor, and I went up to him, and he he was born. I think about at that point, 15 years before he started, he was elected rather about 15 years before I was born. Um, so 
And I remember it as a kid, he used to hold these hearings where he'd, he'd haul these CEOs in and hold people accountable for their wrongdoing. And so I went up to him and I said, Mr. Dingle, you know, you're one of the reasons I'm here. Like you inspired me when I was younger. Do you have any advice for me? And he, he said, yeah, he said, and he was really animated. He said, yeah, he said, just remember this, you're not important, right? I had just been elected to Congress. I was feeling pretty good about my place in the world. He said, uh, he said, you're not important. He said, it's what you can do for the people who elected you. That's what's important, he said. And if you never forget that, you'll do fine. And so for people who are thinking about running, um, the amount that you can do for the people who elect you, the, for the people who are home to help them, to help improve their lives, both directly uh, in a lot of instances and through passing legislation, that matters a lot. Um, and it's the same message for people who think, um, you know, I see, I follow some politics on Twitter and, and I see everyone yelling at each other and I see that um, the tenor of the debate is terrible and the president's tweeting names, at, calling people names on Twitter and other people are chiming in and, and why would I want to do that? Well, when you push aside all the noise, there are a lot of people who are really counting on their elected officials to be there for them, to stand up for them and to try to do what's right to make their lives a little bit better. And they're not spending time on Twitter because they don't have time to worry. And they're, um, they're just hoping that it, it, it gets done. And the way that, that that happens is when good people decide to run for office to try to make a difference. And so I don't think anybody, I don't think anyone should rule it out there. You, you got to figure out the, the best way to, to make a difference for your family and for your community. And, and like I said, there are lots of ways to do it, but, um, but you'll see, I'll just finish with this. You'll see it, when you're out there volunteering, then eventually people are gonna know you care about the community. And when there are opportunities to, to run for office, they're gonna turn to you and you shouldn't rule it out because if you went to Ramah and you've got You've got that sensibility that you learned from all those uh, all those summers. Every every kite you spent at Machana Ramal, um, learning about what it means to to live your life Jewishly. Uh, you've got something to add, and and you and wherever you do it, um, you're going to make a difference. And I hope a lot of people will think about doing it in politics. Yeah, that's that's great. Um... I'll, I, got, I got one more question for you, and it's a little bit asking you to look both both backwards and forwards here. Um, you obviously went to Ramah, Poconos, you know, a few a few decades ago. Your your kids went to Ramah Darum much more recently. Um, what what do you how do you think their experience was was different and this different from yours, and how was it the same as yours, and 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 how do you think that kind of um, reflects how the Jewish community in the United States has changed over that period of time. And then, you know, Serena and Gabby and Cole hopefully will one day send their kids to Ramah. And how do you expect or how do you hope that the Jewish community will look the same and different, um, you know, a few decades from now? That's a really good question. Um, well, I'd start, I'd start with the, the, the biggest similarity, which, um, which is the best part of Vermont. And, and 
And I, understanding that kids come to Ramah, some, some go to day schools, some come from large Jewish communities, some like me come from uh, really small Jewish communities. Uh, but all, all of them, regardless of how they live their lives throughout the rest of the year, summer at camp is just different. You just, it's the, the chance to, to live um, just an unabashedly Jewish life that's really fun and really meaningful with people that, um, that you come to, to care about a lot and, and um, who, um, who mean a lot to you. And I mean, when you're, when you're learning from people, I mean, you were a Roche, Joe, and, and when you're learning from people who at the time seem a lot older than you, and then you realize, you know, they're, you're looking up to them in part because they're really not that much older than you. And, and, and you're, you're being an example to, to, uh, to these campers and, and they're just soaking it all in. And then they get to do the same for younger campers or if they're on staff, if they're, if they're Madrachim, they get to do it for, for their campers. Um, those, that opportunity to live life that way, um, is, was just the same for my kids as it was for me. And that's what was so amazing. And I don't, um, and that's what I certainly hope it will be like for, for their kids. I mean, the relationships that you make at, at camp are, are what really matters. And to forge those relationships around Jewish values, um, that's pretty special. And, and that's what I was able to do. And, and I still find, I mean, it's years later, and um, and the people that I I I can turn to, the people that I um, that I trust, the people that I know will worry about things the same way that I do and care about them the same way I do. Um, in so many instances, are the people that I went to camp with. So I I that's looking back. It's it's the realization that the experience I had, the experience my kids had, was pretty similar. But all these years later, um, those relationships still matter a lot to me and, um, and everything that comes with them, which is the, the Jewish experience that I had that we shared together. That's awesome. And I, one thing I wonder, and I'll just, we can close with this. One thing I wonder a lot is I, when I went to camp, especially as a, as a, as a chanich, it was kind of really before iPhones. And like, it, it didn't really matter to me that I was out in the woods in Georgia for two months without a phone. And, you know, now I'm, you know, like I think most people my age and younger, just completely addicted to technology. And I do wonder if there's this whole new benefit. I mean, if I went to camp today, I would clearly benefit so much from like not having to be around my phone and not being allowed to be around my phone. And I do wonder whether that's a kind of a whole new dimension that um, kind of can, can make the experience of camp and the, the Jewish experience of camp so much more acute and meaningful. It, it does, but it, it's also, it cuts both ways, right? Because it's true when you're at camp where you don't, where, where you're, you're with your community and you don't need it. And then it's true for the rest of the year. I literally would spend the rest of the year um, occasionally making phone calls. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to sound as old as I am, but, you know, it was long distance. To call. I grew up, grew up where it was long distance to call my friends in Philly and Cherry Hill. And, and so... I couldn't talk to them all the time. Obviously, 
I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't chatting with them. There was no Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter. So now the ways to keep in touch are so great to build and strengthen those relationships. And when I, when I like, this is one example, but um, technology affords so many ways to, to make, um, to, to make the Jewish life that you lead at camp um, continue throughout the rest of the year. Uh, it, I mean, the, the Dafyomi thing that, that the effort that Ramah is doing, I think is amazing. And I, we're just scratching the surface of the ways to keep people engaged both, both religiously and communally. And uh, I mean, the, the events that, that my kids are, that young Ramah alumni are able to participate in now around the country. Um, I think all that's incredibly exciting. That's, that's awesome. And that's a great place to end it. Congressman Ted Deutsch, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, Joe. Thanks. Great talking to you. Oh, one more thing, Joe. For the, I, I offer this up, and and uh, and I mean it. For for people who who want to chat about about being involved or being involved in politics, maybe running for office one day, um, they should they should feel free uh, to, just to email me. It's the it's the easiest thing to do. It's um, it's just ted.deutsch at gmail. Easy to do. Um, they can they can DM me, but it takes a lot longer for me to respond that way, but definitely uh, email works. And I'm happy to, to set up time to talk to people and be as encouraging as I can. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Congressman Deutsch. Thanks again. All right. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Shalom. And thank you for tuning in to Kol Barama. If you're looking for more information about Camp Ramah overnight and day camps, Israel programs, year round events and virtual offerings, please visit our website at www.camprama.org. Mm-hmm.